The following is brought to you by Braided Media. Welcome to Empowered in My Skin podcast series, Thriving Across Generations. A generation gap is commonly perceived to refer to differences between generations that cause conflict and complicate communication, creating a gap. However, at Empowered in My Skin, we believe that differences between generations can provide great insight, wisdom, and be positive and empowering. A big part of why we are doing this series is to amplify the fact that when we seek to understand and communicate with one another, we find more common ground than we likely thought existed. We are more alike than we are different through our experiences. We trust that you will enjoy this five-part series. So sit back, relax, and enjoy energy with our guests, Thriving Across Generations. And remember, if you like this podcast, if you enjoy this episode, Subscribe, like, and share it within your network. Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to the next episode of Thriving Across Generations. That's right. This is the third panel interview of our amazing series where we're getting to meet with like baby boomers and Gen X's and Gen Y's and those millennials, they say, and the Gen Z's. Yes, and engaging in inspiring conversation to empower our listeners. And of course, I'm not alone. No, mm-mm, mm-mm. that girl, that host, that amazing Gabriella Mamone is here with me. Oh, <laughs> How you doing, you. Gabby? <laughs> thank you. But in addition, we've got some fantastic other people joining us as well. We've got a baby boomer, two Gen Xs, one Gen Z, the executive producer. So we are excited to get started. Yeah. How's everybody yeah. feeling? Let me hear some vibes. Yes. Amazing. Awesome. Excited. Awesome. Awesome. We didn't want our listeners to think there weren't other people there. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm very excited. Thank you everyone for, um, you know, your willingness to, to be part of this series. Um, very special to us in the Empowered of My Skin podcast. And I'm going to start with the first question and, uh, Pauline, you'll, you'll lead the way, (laughs) but what was your most empowering thought that you had today? So one of my favorite individuals is Maya Angelou. I live by everything that today, what was on my mind was I've learned that making a living is not the same thing as making a life. Mm. That's where my head is today. (laughs) I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. And Tanya? I don't even know how to follow up with that. I feel <laughs> you like, do. You I, follow up with your grace and class and sass. You and... know, I just, I, the, the, I think the thought of today was one of connection, yeah. was one of sharing. It was a vulnerability, um, but it was really just a reconnection with a friend of mine in the UK and sharing experiences and um, learning from one another by, you know, just being honest and vulnerable. And it was wonderful. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And, uh, Joan. Yeah. You know, I just made a transition, um, from Toronto to Kamloops, BC. Kamloops has been in the news, uh, lately. We've got forest fires all around us. We've got graves that are being discovered, um, and so my thought as I was coming into my promised land, that's what I call Kamloops, my promised land, uh, is that there is no fear. Um, 
only the ones that we create. Mm. And I really want to be in that place where I am the most loving, powerful, mm. authentic version of myself. So I guess I was doing a bit of self-inspiration this morning. I love that. Thank you for that. And in Kemjika. So what was your most empowering thought today, love? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was just like to, to kind of stay in the moment. I was just kind of thinking, so like, you guys can't see, but I'm in my apartment and there's a, I can see the pool in my apartment from here. And then there's a sunset and that kind of thing. And I was just earlier today, I was like kind of looking out and people were in the pool and playing and it was just like, oh, you can just kind of like, instead of like running around, like really focus on just this nice kind of time in your life and the scenery and like take it all in. So just more like kind of sitting with myself, I guess. I love that. That's very empowering. And uh, Trisha, I know you're full of empowerment. So what was yours? My empowering thought for the day, um, it really was three things. Laugh, breathe, and be where my feet are. I love that. That's a presence. (laughs) Yes. And Gabby, Miss Thoughtful, what's yours? For me today, I actually felt a little bit of overwhelmed because I was planning lunch for the kids and I had to do work and I had a report and I had several emails to return. And then I realized I can. Mm. So my empowering thought of the day is I can. I prioritize it. I did one by one. And here I am, full force. Everything's done on my list. I love it. I love it. And you know, I realized three, three, uh, Three episodes in, I don't think I've, 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 I haven't shared my empowering thought. I didn't share it the last time. So I actually, ha- I cheat because I pick a card every single day, my superpower card. And today, graciousness was, started my day um, with, you know, sort of that empowering, empowering human that I want to be today. So graciousness is my superpower. I'm gracious. I'm considerate. I'm thoughtful. I allow the generosity of my spirit to shine through my thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. And um, I'm gracious. And it's funny, when I pulled the card this morning at like whatever that 5 a.m. time was, I thought about this experience. And I thought about how we're all going to be exercising graciousness and thoughtfulness and compassion and consideration for each other. So, yeah, so definitely empowered by that. And, uh, yeah, so now we're just going to warm you up a little bit with some – some questions that my co-host is going to take you through. <laughs> yes. You know, we're going to do some rapid fire, rapid thriver questions. So very fast questions and your response will be very short and very fast. We're going to start with Pauline, our baby boomer. Are we ready? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pauline, first job. Baskin Robbins. Oh, <laughs> Joan, our Gen X, fitness enthusiast or couch potato? Uh, is there an in between? Um, I love, I love to walk, uh, but I also love to meditate, and I do that on my couch actually. So. Nice. <laughs> so fitness, I, I think it. it's a fitness enthusiast. I would yeah. say definitely <laughs> for sure. And Tanya, our other Gen X. Walk or run? It depends on the mood. It's, oh. it's either or. So I could be walking and then feel the need to go into a run, and then I'll run, and then I'll feel like I'm going to keel over, and then I'll just <laughs> okay. walk again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And our Gen Z and Kemjika, 
Android or iPhone? <laughs> Android. I have everything else I have is Apple except my phone. Which is oh, an Android. God. <laughs> oh, oh, that's awesome. Well, we will have to win, talk guys. about that in Kemjika. You win. You win. No one's You win, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to start I'm going to start the I'm going to I'm going to stay on uh, in Kemjika with the first question. And so, you know, you are the youngest on the panel, okay? And uh, curious to know, as a kid, <laughs> which is not that long ago for you compared to some of us, what did you want to do when you grew up? Uh, I wanted to work in movies. I wanted to be like a director or something. Um, my mom actually, so I live in Ottawa. My mom brought me to Toronto to go to like the Teen TIFF Film Festival because I was really into like movies and directing and that kind of thing so yeah that was my passion when I was really young and I'm just curious so what what happened with the passion so um it's still a big interest of mine my the job I would love to have in the future would be some kind of intersection of like the film industry and business so Mm. I'm gonna be working in investing um out of university but I would love to eventually eventually like invest in film companies we all can't wait to come and watch you at uh, at a film festival that's awesome we're putting it out there this is now on in the universe right yes so and pauline on the opposite side of the spectrum you know what did you want to do as a kid or what did you dream to do when you were a kid yeah so ironically i think back in my generation we actually no different than today to be fair didn't really know what i wanted to do and so I think one of the things which we did was talk with one another and end up doing a general degree so that it would give us options when we were finished. And so because there was no specific career goal, I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew I wanted to do something. I did business administration through Ryerson Polytechnical Institute, which is what it was called at that time. It's now called Ryerson University. And it has served me well because when I was done, I was able to then knock on doors and choose the option that suited me at that time. Yeah. And then Kim, I saw you nodding. So just curious, you know, would you say that her thought process and, and how she sort of chose that discipline aligns with maybe how you went about it or? Well, I just thought it's like funny, like everyone thinks you're supposed to know what you want to do and nobody knows what they want to do. And so like, you just have to pick like, even like, so like I work in finance now, I know people who did bio, like um, biomedical engineering, like finished a degree in biomedical engineering and then came to work at the finance place where I work and do something completely different. So like, even if you choose to specialize per se in in school you can still completely change so it was just funny like you'd never know what you want to do <laughs> and uh and tanya just just curious because i know that you're a mother you know how you know with your kids how is that like how how do you see them sort of trying to figure that out in their in their head and the thought process and how much do you influence <laughs> that thought process so i think um I think when I read the question, I actually had a reaction to it. And it was um, because when you ask a child that there's 
it almost plants in their, I feel like sometimes it plants in their mind that they are supposed to know and that it, it's something like, um, I think Adam Grant called it uh, identity foreclosure. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is you go down this path of I'm supposed to mm-hmm. and that maybe you've chosen a path and you're afraid to pivot. So you don't really stop and do an inventory and rethink things because you know, who we see across the panel now of multi, multi generations to say, you know, instead of going back in time and writing a letter to, you know, our 20 year old self, I'd like to write a letter to my 70 year old self. And who would I be? But that 70 year old self doesn't exist yet. So how are we supposed to figure out who we want to be in this moment when our future us doesn't even exist? So I think with the younger generation, what I love seeing is the blending of it all. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no borders in that, you know, that younger generation can say, just in my field, we interviewed this just beautiful human being. And what attracted me to her resume was she studied architecture and then she went and did a dressmaking and fabric making certificate to come back to do her architecture. And I was like, that just means she sees the world in such a complex, different, unique way. Mm -hmm. And why can't we blend all of that together? Mm -hmm. So your future job might not even exist. Uber didn't exist. Instagram didn't exist Mm -hmm. until someone thought about it. And so there's a question in there that I'm like, I just don't like the question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I could inject something. So, you know, I, I, um, when I think about, I have all my journals here, and I think mm-hmm. the one thing about kids that I realize I did more as a kid than I do as an adult is dream. Mm-hmm. And so when I was a kid and you asked me what did I want to do, I know that I had in my, I want to be like the next Janet Jackson, and so I, you know, dabbled in dancing, and mm-hmm. I want to do this, then the other. And now when you ask me as an adult, I think, it, I think to somebody else it needs to make more sense. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of like the question in the sense that, you know, how, you know, it's less about trying to box somebody in, but what are your dreams and your aspirations? Because there is no, there is no limit, but what does, what, what does, what, what are you already creating in your heart? You know? So it's more towards, I see it more towards actions. So it's actions to take versus identities to claim. Yes. So is what do we want to do? Well, I like dancing. I like playing. I like writing. I like, you know, whatever, any action verb that you can think of and then focus on that instead of, you know, there's an example of instead of being a scientist, Mm -hmm. do science. Yes. yes. And then you're in the doing of it. And then it doesn't pigeonhole you. And it gives you that freedom to feel like, hold on, I can rethink this. I can, I can have different ideas and I'm not, it's not that identity foreclosure. Yeah, this I is who that. I who I have to be because I've committed yeah. to this course of action I and I'm unable mm-hmm. to pivot. That. Thanks. I have a slightly different view, if I could add. Um, you know, when I was 15 years old, uh, and that was a long time ago, um, and I, I remember the night that Ben Johnson won um, his gold medal in um, Seoul, Korea. I think it was 1988 or 89, somewhere around there. And that night I recorded on a VCR the race because I was going to say a speech about Ben Johnson. And my goal that night was to get the A+. You know, I wanted to impress my teacher. I wanted to impress my classmates. And I had no idea that 
even the idea of a speech at that moment in time would prophetically speak to what I would do much later. I got my PhD. I do mental health promotion. I'm a trauma therapist. But the thing that I really love to do and the thing that I'm actually called to do is to speak. In that moment, it was a very significant night for me for the reason that Ben Johnson won, but because that was also a very traumatic moment for me because of what happened after that. But in that moment, there was this seed of speaking that was planted, and I would never have thought about that desire to speak as something that would blow up into something much, much bigger Mm -hmm. later on. And yet there it was. So, you know, we can see it in those moments. And then as we go through the other curvy parts and down some of the rabbit holes, we eventually come right back around, like the last speaker said, to that place where we're supposed to be. But then there's this fullness um, to all that we add to the experience and then what we add to what we do in life right now. It's a powerful thing. Like it. I love it. So it's interesting that you say that, Joan, because thank you for sharing that you are a uh, psychotherapist. Was that always what you wanted to do, like when you were younger? Did it ever dawn on you that that's what you wanted to do? In my mind, I wanted to be a doctor. So I did eventually become the doctor. What did I want to be specifically at that time? I thought I wanted to be an optometrist. Funny enough, I now use the eyes um, in order to direct the therapeutic process that I use, you know, but I'm not an optometrist. I'm a psychotherapist, you know, so it's just so layered the ways in which, you know, we kind of just walk down these paths, sometimes aware and sometimes totally unaware, you know, really speaking what it is that we're coming to prophetically in a lot of ways but not knowing how prophetic we really are. So now when I hear a person speak something, I go, oh, that person is speaking prophetically. Mm. Now, is that a good prophecy or is that a bad prophecy? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, do I need to correct that immediately in mm-hmm. my mind or do I embrace that and receive it? You know, so that's kind of the way that I think we all need to think about mm-hmm. the tongue and the power of the tongue and what it says about mm-hmm. each of us, and what it says about the people that we communicate with on a daily basis. Right. Now, for the listeners, Joan is part of the Gen X uh, segment. And uh, we're wondering, Joan, like what inspired you to become a psychotherapist? Yeah, you know, um, I talk about that traumatic moment. And uh, that was actually, I I went to videotape or not videotape, VCRs back then. I don't know what you call it. Recording? What? (laughs) So it's like... But I recorded that that moment, and my mom, who was a single mom, I recorded over a video that she had used. You know, beating that night. So I went from this heightened level of celebrating my hero, went to sleep that night in a place of complete bliss and happiness, and got struck and woke up, and my peace was entirely taken from me. That night, I made so many decisions and prophetically spoke over my life in so many negative ways. I then had to go through an autocorrection. So the autocorrection was me, me then exploring you know, single mothers, how they experience trauma, how they recover from it, how people in general experience trauma, how they recover from it, and desiring to find an intervention, you Mm -hmm. know, and the intervention was really for me to heal, 
But at the same time, I wanted to extrapolate that and expand it into all of these other areas to help other people. So in this very painful moment, this very meaningful thing that I now do and truly enjoy doing, um, you know, it came out of that experience. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Now, Pauline, what about yourself? The career choice that you um, were in last in your career history, is that what you had envisioned when you were younger? Oh, no, because I was totally unclear of what I wanted to do. Um, I took that general business degree um, and graduated. Um, And then what I ended up doing was back then you didn't go on the internet, you read newspapers and I would flip through the business section in the Globe and Mail and I'd look at the different opportunities that were in there. And my very first career, to be honest with you, was, you know, outside of working in Baskin and Robbins while I was in school was I ended up working in a, um, a smoke shop. It was at the King Edward Hotel, right? And it was a smoke shop. And from there, there was a woman that came in. And um, I was always very good with people. And this woman came in. It was a very high-end, still is, I think, hotel, in the sense that there was a lot of celebrities and things that came through. And this one woman came in. And I guess the service or the interaction that we had was so wonderful that she said, I want you to come work for me. And I ended up working in a call center um, with Council Trust, it was called back then. Sun Life eventually took them over. And that's where my career in finance started. I learned how to, you know, talk about investments. I learned about lending. I learned about credit. And quite frankly, my whole career has been in banking. So today, you know, I've gone flip-flops back and forth between banks and credit unions, Mm -hmm. but I love what I do. I love banks. I love money. I love talking about it, feeling it, discussing it. I like reading the business section. It's just me. It's just me. I love, I love smelling it. (laughs) (laughs) And using it. And receiving it. <laughs> I just love that a woman says, I love talking about money. I know. I, I, I know. It's very empowering. Oh, it's very empowering. And we don't do it enough. We are not our own advocates. And uh, it's just so refreshing to hear another woman say, I love money. And I love talking about money. I love yes. talking about other yeah. people's money. I love talking about my money. I will talk about everybody else's money. No problem. I- I'm curious to know, if you don't mind, I'd like our uh, Gen Z to chime in and Kem Jika. I'm curious to know, what is your thoughts on the ideal career? Um, I think just like where you're just like excited about what you're doing every day. One fun question. So I'm Gen Z, so I'm always asking like older people at where I intern and things like that about what they're doing. And my favorite question to ask them is what are you working on right now that excites you? Mm-hmm. And like, it's really interesting when people respond because you can just hear like the passion and they're like, this is something really cool that we've been working on for months and it's finally coming to fruition, all that kind of stuff. So I think if you can, if you have some project or some something you're working on that is st- that still excites you, mm-hmm. that's really like just ideal because then you're you're excited every day yeah. when you go to work. You hit you hit the nail on the hammer. I always I always say like. 
I get to, I get to do what I get to do. You know, I don't got to do it. I get to do it. And I think, you know, if you can wake up every single day and say, I get to do this work and I'm serving in it and it is serving. And I'm, and I say that, you know, a job will never own me. You know, I own the job. I, I create the experience. I, I, I curate what I want to get out of it. And if more people can, uh, can come with that kind of mindset, I believe um, more people would find enjoyment in their job. And I would be out of the job. In all <laughs> <of it. laughs> yeah. yeah, then I'm okay with that. I'm curious about what are your views on work-life balance? Mm. And I would like Tanya to go <laughs> The employee experience is just so 1990. I don't think we're slicing and dicing between personalities and identities now at a speed that's unparalleled. And so it's not about a work-life balance or even a work-life harmony anymore. It's about a human experience because we can't, we have to allow our people to show up as full human beings instead of saying, you know what, we just need one third of you to walk through the door today to show up in the office. And everything else that you're dealing with as a parent, as a caregiver, as a daughter, as a son, as a niece, a nephew, any any one of your identities, as a, a black person, a white person, an indigenous person, you, you know, bring it all because it all adds value and it all creates that lens that you're looking at. So I think we're going to have to really find a way to embrace the flexibility of those interchanging identities and who we need to be in that moment to achieve that harmony. And that's going to ebb and flow, but it's very much about a human experience instead of the employee experience now. Um, And in doing that, we're just going to leverage what so many of us bring through our stories, through our experiences and kind of like what we're doing right now. We're leveraging that to help others Um, Today, the topic is about careers. And so I can't talk about my career without talking about, you know, having a a child at 16. That meant it became who I, a big part of who I am and influences how I do my work Mm -hmm. and how I show up to serve and to enhance every single day. Um, Had I not had those experiences or just... Um, not been that person, had different experiences, then my view would be different. So kind of a long-winded way of saying I don't believe in a balance. I believe in harmony. Um, Different things are going to take different precedence. It could be three different times a day, or it could be a different, um, every week is different. Um, And you just kind of go with that ebb and flow, and you be where you need to be and as you need to be in that moment. And that's really, to me, the future of, of work that the lines are blurred now there's no there's no space in between we are who we are which is true inclusivity and which is what we should embrace mm-hmm. because then people can actually show up empowered in their own skin so <laughs> Ooh, i love that yeah <laughs> i'd like to add That's my two cents in there <laughs> i was yes. dying to get in there because i found what you what you said uh tanya very interesting and I'm going to speak of, you know, work-life balance from a leader perspective, um, from a Black woman perspective, and I'm going to say to you that through my career, 
Um, what I have always felt is I never had the luxury of the harmonization. And I've always felt like I had to be there at seven in the morning and leave at 11 o'clock at night. I'm exaggerating those hours, but that was my reality, black woman. And knowing that I wanted to climb that corporate ladder, my, you know, I did my MBA and it was, you know, essentially about women and the glass ceiling. And I knew what I had to do to get where I am today. Um, it's only today, you know, and, I, and I, you know, it's a little bit exaggerated. Let's say about the last five years that I could truly say that I've arrived in a, in a place in my life where I can now say and use this word work-life balance because now I, you know, as a leader and, and I walk the talk, right? I, I will tell my people today, I don't want you taking work with you on your vacation. I don't want you taking work with you in the evening. This is what I now live, but I only felt that I could do this now. To me, that was not an option before. Yeah. It's interesting. Because and, and, yeah, I didn't have... and had you not had the experiences that you had as a black woman who had to show up and, you know, have that butt in the seat, otherwise, you know, other things were going to happen. You would, you would have been overlooked. You had to work 30 times harder than anyone else in the room. And so because of that now, that has influenced your leadership style. But that happened to you as a human being, not just as an employee, but as a woman, as a black woman and, and all of these other identities. And that's the beauty of it is you're saying, no, no. No more of that. This is how we're going to lead. This is how we're going to change. And this is the shift. And bravo. That's amazing. Phenomenal. And I think I'm going to just throw, as a black woman, I'm going to throw another perspective in because I've been talking about harmony for really, for a really long time. And if I think about my career and, you know, I got into leadership at a very young age, 30, at the age of 30, I was a director. But at the same time, I was a competitive soccer player initially at the start of my career, and then I became a professional bodybuilder. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've always been doing extracurricular things. And so I've always recognized, and then I've always, you know, spent time with my family, was living in Montreal, so I was traveling back and forth between Toronto. And so when I think about harmony, you know, when I realized that, wow, yeah, even though I was, you know, the first in the office, the last to leave, doing this, that, and the other, and feeling the pressure of being the only in the room, you know, never, it was never about a woman. It was just about being the only black person, to be quite honest, in, in tech. And, um, but I realized that I've always had harmony. And that's why, because I haven't, it hasn't just been, because what is balance? Balance is this thing that we're trying to, so you're putting your, your career on one hand and, and everything else on the other, and it's in, and this is a, a balance. It's, so I realized it's been ebb and flows, you know, and, because it wasn't, it wasn't every single day that I was doing, you know, the clock in at six, clock out at, at seven. No, sometimes it was the work. And then other times it was the weekend in Montreal. And sometimes it was, you know, getting ready for a competition or, you know, playing or hanging out with my friends. And so, you know, when you start to think about removing the word balance, because I think that that's what messes up a lot of people and really focus on the harmony Knowing your value set, because I think knowing your value system is so important. And you say, my harmony is really going to be about driving those values that I have for myself throughout. Mm-hmm. And some days it might be really high for work, but the next day it's going to be high for my husband, low for work. You know. And so far as you start to figure out how to build that harmonized cadence, 
um, you, you the symphony. Yeah, symphony. Then you the recognize there isn't. It isn't all. It isn't all or nothing. It can be. It's the genius of end. You know, versus the tyranny of war. Yes. And they're not mutually exclusive. So to do one or the other, you know, to have a life uh, of, of bodybuilding, of soccer, of friends, of family is not mutually exclusive to being a successful woman. No, it's inclusive. In it's actually inclusive. It's inclusive. 100%. And, you know, it's also really important when we're talking about career and wellness that we are all able to de-stress. Now, across the generations, I'm really curious to know if we de-stress differently based on our generation. So perhaps if we can start with Nkemjika, what do you do? And let's give short answers. I'd love everyone to chime in. Just short answers. In Kemjika, what do you do to de-stress? Just uh, Okay, yeah. Um, like really simple. I think over the pandemic specifically, I've gotten really into candles. So I like lighting candles and then just playing music and kind of like turning off all the lights. Ah, that's, my, that's my favorite thing. I love thing. that. Now, from a millennial perspective, uh, I'm curious to know, Trisha, when you were a millennial, what do you think you were doing when you were trying to do stress? Wait a minute. When, when I was a millennial. <laughs> oh, sorry. I suspect it was very recent that you were a millennial. Um, for me, it would have been um, reading. Mm. Reading. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Not, I think stayed with you, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And from a Gen X perspective, Tanya, then Joan, what are your thoughts? Um, again, it depends. I'm, I'm Irish-Italian, so most of the time it's kickboxing. Um, oh. There's very there's a lot of therapy and kicking and punching a bag. Um <laughs> especially after a day in human resources, but, uh, or it's just kind of reading, just being really, really quiet and still alone. Ah, I love that. And then, uh, Joan, I forgive. Um, I, you know, the foundation of the therapeutic process that I do, um, is, uh, forgiveness based. And so I find that the only time I get really stressed out is when I actually have some stuff that I need to go process. And so I stand in front of my mirror and I visualize the person that I need to forgive and I forgive them. You know, oh, and wow. Interesting. And Pauline, what do you do to de-stress? So I am a runner. I love to run and I paddle on the dragon boat team, but that is for physical exercise. When I need to de-stress and just kind of calm down, I walk. And I could walk from now until next week. And wow. <laughs> That's a de-stress. This My is a maximum. community. Yeah, I <laughs> love that. I love that. Wow. Anyway, imagine we've been, we've been chatting for like 35 minutes. And so, you know, the wind downs here. It's interesting. I will share my quick de-stress because I think my husband thinks I'm a mad woman. But I, I say that I like to go to bed free of thought. And yeah. so I do 40 push-ups, which takes my heart rate up. And oh to get gosh. to 40 is almost failure, like, because it's just quick. It's, I have to do them within a minute, with under a minute for sure. And uh, then I journal. I journal out my thoughts. So meaning I empty out the brain, whatever I'm thinking. I First of all, I start with gratitude and empty out the brain. And then... I play IQ games. I, so I play, I, I'm, I love math and, uh, 
yes, I'm a little bit of a geek. And so I do a lot of like uh, <laughs> Elevate. I use Elevate. And so every single day I do my, my either Sudoku or something like that. Because what I recognize is when you're doing something abstract, you can't be mm-hmm. thinking about problems. Like, mm-hmm. unless it's an abstract, like it's a, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then I do that until I fall asleep. That's why people are like, how do you, I, I'm a girl, I sleep like a baby. Like, it's just like, I go to wake up with, with think about work. <laughs> no. By the time I finish that Sudoku game, it's like, <laughs> you know? so, um, so as a final question, this is the Empowered in My Skin podcast. I want each of you to let us know what it means to you to be empowered in your skin, empowered in my skin, what does it mean to you? So starting with you, Pauline. You know what, empowered in my skin, you know, I've been following you forever. And, and before we end, I want to thank Don't you stop. very much for giving me the opportunity to be one of the panelists. And I've loved empowered in my skin because it's all about being, you know, unique, being united and being one. And it's across generations. It's across cultures. It's unity. 100%. Thank you. Tanya? Um, I think it means the permission to be, and, and the fearlessness of being vulnerable, but it's also being grateful for not just living my life, but looking around at the circle of people that I have around me, and they're all glorious, and I feel like that's a reflection of the relationships that I've cultivated, so it's not just living a life, it's living a life well-lived, and that I see reflected around me, so probably a little bit more introspective than I have been, because this is my year of 50 and uh, it was a big deal. So it was looking around going, I have some amazing people in my life and that has to say something yeah. about me. And it just means that I'm not just living my life, that it's a life well lived. That's awesome. Joan. Um, you know, I'm most empowered when I'm at peace and because I have experienced that peace, I can then focus on helping others. And I think that's the most empowered person, the person who turns and then helps the other people behind them. And so that's how I feel. I love it. And in Kim, Jika. Um, so for me, it's just being confident and able to speak my mind. So just like, just in any, in, at work, within relationships, just being able to fully say like, how what my perspective is or how things are impacting me just being able to really truly be honest and speak my mind I think that's the most important I love that and I love you all I say that all the time I don't need to know you to love you unconditionally I thank you for sharing energy with us I thank you for helping us to you know really manifest this experience in in the special way that it is it, it's beyond what we actually thought. The energy that's being generated, the amount of people that we're bringing in, the different perspectives. It's its just, it's awesome. The different characters, like all of you, your own unique character. We're like literally, we created like this curated experience with just real humans. And so love it. You know, always thank you, Trisha, for holding us down as executive producer. Unfortunately, this is where we have to say, Gabby, Trisha, we're out. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> so there you have it. I trust you're saying to yourself, I'm fully empowered in my skin. And remember, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else that you feel can benefit from the empowering content that we deliver. As Tom Billia says, 
when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been fun hanging with you. It's your girl and I'm out. <laughs>